Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Last week, we started in chapter number 1 as we considered in verse number 10. Uh, where Paul said to this church at Corinth, he said in chapter 1 and verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And so we find here the, uh, the unity that the Apostle Paul is trying to get uh, this church here at Corinth to uh, come to. Of course, he had gotten some reports from the household of Chloe in verse 11. He talks about that, how there were uh, some divisions there. And he's trying to set some things in order uh, for this to take place. By the time we get to chapter number 2, uh, we find that Paul is uh, going to lay out a plan that God has Put in place. Now, chapter 2 is just 16 verses, and so I want to take the time to uh, lay the foundation for this chapter. And so we'll read uh, from verse 1 down through verse 16. The scripture says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not with the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth, the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth not man, but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is laying out for this church at Corinth a plan that God, or he's explaining really God's plan, uh, that has been laid out uh, throughout all time that is leading to and leading for uh, the unity of the church. If you look at it even into chapter 3, he says in verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye now, or now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So when we see this plan here that God has, we see first of all, within these first few verses, the response to God's plan. Because there is a response here. And the response that is being given, we find in these first few verses, as Paul is talking about really uh, the unsaved reaction as well as the saved action. Or, or the saved person's reaction to God's plan here. Now, he's saying in verse number 1, Brethren, I came to you, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech, or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. And so Paul says, look, when I came, I came to deliver a message, but I didn't try to give a flowery speech, I didn't try to build it up, I just came and gave you the testimony of God. What did God do in my life and what God wants to do in your life? He said, that's all I came for. And as I determined in verse number two, he said, I didn't want to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What he's saying is the most important message that I could ever give you is the gospel, is the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified and that you need to trust him. But look what he says in verse number three. He says, and I was with you in weakness. Look, this church at Corinth was, again, they weren't necessarily a strong church. And, and again, in this first century of Christianity, uh, you have Roman rule all over the world, and, and things were not necessarily great. 
uh, while there has been of through all time uh, rich and poor, this was a time when you were either really rich or really poor. There wasn't a whole lot in between. And he says, I, I, came, to you, my, uh, I came to you in weakness. I came to you in fear. I, I wonder tonight, what, what do we fear? I mean, we have much, we, really in all reality, we have much to fear in our life, don't we? Uh, I, I know we don't, we don't talk about it, and we talk about how fear is wrong and fear is bad, and it is. It defeats us often. But Paul is relating to these people, and he's saying, I came to you in weakness, I was with you in weakness, I was with you in fear, and in much trembling. He says, I understand exactly where you're coming from as men. I understand, but you have to have a response here. He says in verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. With man's wisdom. Now, what is man's wisdom? We, we get prideful in our own wisdom, don't we? Uh, I mean, all the things that we know, all the things that we've figured out in life, all the things that we've figured out in science and history and uh, math and, and all the advancements that we've made. But he says, I didn't come to you with words of man's wisdoms, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, what he's talking here is, again, not a sinless person, but a mature person. He says, we speak words of wisdom among those that are mature or those that are perfect, just not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Verse 7, he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He goes on to explain. He says, this wisdom that came in a mystery, he said, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Look, when, when Jesus came and when Jesus was crucified, and I know this is hard to imagine, I know this is hard to imagine in this, but have you ever considered that the scribes and the Pharisees and those that turned Jesus over to Pilate to be crucified, they thought they were doing the right thing? Isn't that amazing? They thought they were doing the right thing. They were convinced in their own wisdom, in their own self, that they were completely right, completely justified, and completely, get this, completely holy in crucifying Jesus Christ. And yet, it was because of their own wisdom. And he says, none of these people knew or could have known the wisdom of God because it was a mystery. That means God kept it revealed to them at that time so they couldn't know. Even though 
Again, we read through the Scriptures and we read through the Gospels and we see Jesus Christ plainly saying who He is, plainly giving His message, but yet they were blinded by their own wisdom. And He said the mystery of God is there because if they had known, they never would have crucified Jesus Christ. But they did. In verse number 9, He says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even, of, or even so the things of God knoweth man but the Spirit of God. You see, the fool, it's foolish is the response of the unsaved man. God's plan is foolish. That's the response. They see God's plan. They, they heard Jesus give all of what He gave. They heard His explanations. They heard all of that, and they rejected it by saying, it's foolish. It's foolish, but yet, for the saved, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. Within God's plan to send His Son to have, again, a, a unified church, Paul is giving these things here, and, and we see, the uh, again, the results of God's plan, not just the response to it, but we see the results of it. The Jews required signs, the, Greek, the Greeks required wisdom, uh, but to believers, there is no requirement. There is no requirement because what is required here is the fact that Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. He gives us eternal life and, and its sanctification to the Jews. They, they wanted signs so they could see. They wanted to see with their own eyes, which, by the way, that's not faith, is it? But they wanted to see, and they required signs. Uh, again, the Greeks required wisdom. They wanted eloquent speeches. Uh, they, they wanted all the impartation of the, the wisdom of this world. But the fact of the matter was, it was senseless. But to the believers, it was sanctification. That's God's plan. God's plan is the sanctification of His people. But what about what's taking place here? When we see what's happening, we see in verse number 13, or verse 12 rather, that's where we stopped, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not, of, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. As we look at God's plan, God compares the spiritual things with spiritual. He uses the spiritual things to teach us spiritual lessons. But that's not so in other realms. In verse 14, he says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so here he starts comparing uh, the spiritual with the non-spiritual. The non-spiritual. I don't know about you, but uh, there have been times where uh, I'm just, when I read Scripture, uh, I'll, I'll be completely transparent here. Uh, there are places in Scripture that trouble me. There are places in Scripture that in my flesh, I don't like to read. I'm just saying. They trouble me. They, we could use another term, they convict me. They point out my sin. And so when I read it and I see it, I don't like it. Even though I know it's true, even though I know that it's from God, but sometimes my flesh does not receive the spiritual message of God's plan. We need to consider that. We need to consider as we are receiving the things of God on whether or not we're receiving it within our spirit that God has given us and quickened within us by the Holy Spirit, or are we receiving the message in our flesh? I'm sure that you've received a message in the flesh before. And your response would probably warrant that. But notice, again, he says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Then the question is asked, Who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? We could just start just in this room. Do you know the mind of the Lord? We, we joke sometimes as, as humans trying to figure out. I mean, there's even uh, been books written about it. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? How many of you have ever had trouble figuring out your spouse? Sure. I think it goes both ways. And that's, that's real. I mean, if, look, if we, if we have a difficult time trying to figure out our spouse... What's in their mind? Are you ever going to figure out the mind of the Lord? The answer to that is no. And that's what he's really asking here is, who can know the mind of the Lord? Not just, not just to know the mind of the Lord, but more importantly than knowing the mind of the Lord is, who can know the mind of the Lord to be able to instruct I don't know how you pray. I don't know how you go to the Lord in your prayer time, but have you ever tried to tell Him something? You ever tried to instruct Him? I have. It's foolish, but I have. Again, I told you, I just want to be transparent here tonight. But look, I'm certain you have probably. But have you ever gone to the Lord and told Him how you felt? 
and we tell him how we feel as if we're going to inform him so he can make the best decision possible? Again, who can know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But then he changes gears here and he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Now again, we have to understand the context of chapter 2 is connected to chapter 1. The context here within this passage is that, hey, there are difficulties within the church. There are some divisions. There are some contentions among you. But look what he says in verse number 10 of chapter 1. If you'll go back there with me. We're going to try to tie this all together here. In the last part of chapter or verse number 10 of chapter 1, in that last phrase he says, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me, or unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, or of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. But he's saying here, he's saying, look, if you want to hear God's plan about unity, if you want to receive what God has said and how God has said it, you've got to have a spiritual mind. You've got to have a spiritual heart. You've got to get out of the flesh and you've got to get in this, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Well, no one has. Who's going to instruct God? Certainly not me. And probably not you. But, he says, we have the mind of Christ. And I want you to notice from chapter chapter 1, at the end, he says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, and I, brethren... And, remember, is a connecting word. That means it's connecting chapter 2 back to chapter 1. When we get into chapter 3, it says again, and I. What does that mean? That means he's connecting chapter 3 to chapter 2. And if chapter 2 is connected to chapter 1, and chapter 3 is connected to chapter 2, what does that mean? That means chapter 3 is also connected to what? Chapter 1. It's all connected. It's all flowing through. So he says, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who can correct God? Who can instruct God, rather? Uh, But we have the mind of Christ. We need the mind of Christ because we need unity. But why is it that this church of Corinth didn't have unity? Well, he explains that in chapter 3. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as, as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. We'll stop there just for a moment. So what's he saying here? What's he saying here? He says, brethren, we need unity within this. You have the mind of Christ, but we can't have unity 
because you're carnal. Matter of fact, Paul may have insulted them, may have, because he called them babies. Now, now be honest, be honest. Has anybody ever called you a baby? Is it usually in a good way? No? Me either. But, but why would somebody be mean to babies? Did you ever think about that? I mean, nobody goes up to a baby and says, stop being a baby. But yeah, you know what I have noticed? People talk to babies differently than they talk to adults, don't they? I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. But people just go sometimes goofy in talking to babies. How are you so cute? Oh. We talk to babies that way, don't we? We don't talk to babies like we talk to adults. My, my kids are all, all growing up, and they, they have a little bit more understanding. And I, I, talk, I talk very plainly uh, to them. But you know, when they were babies, you know, sometimes I didn't know what to say. So we just look at them, hold them up, you know. You're so cute, you know. We do that. We talk differently to babies. Babies talk differently to us. When they first start talking, they don't talk in full sentences. They don't talk in, in complete sentences or even have complete thoughts. And Paul just called this church at Corinth a bunch of babies. Now, I, I will admit there have been times over the last 20 years where my wife has said, stop being a baby. And you know what I've said, Trevor? I said, I'm not being a baby. Why would you call me a baby? She would say, Marty, she would say, you're being a baby. Get over it. Have you said that, dear? Yeah. Get over it. Stop being a baby. Now look, that, again, hurts feelings. But do you know what? Sometimes we need to hear, stop being a baby. And I, again, I, Paul doesn't necessarily say those exact words, but that's what he said. He said, y'all are babies. As a matter of fact, he said, you're carnal. Even as to babes, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Hitherto, you were not able to bear it. Do you realize what he just said? He said, I fed you with milk and you could barely handle it. Cool. Why are there problems? Why are there difficulties? Why is there not unity? We don't have the right mind. We have the mind of a baby, he says. He says, verse 3, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Now remember, what's God's plan? God's plan in chapter 2 is you'd be spiritual. Be spiritual in this thing. But he says you can't because you're still acting as if you're carnal because you have one going around saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, 
He says, are ye not carnal? So now he goes from calling them babies, but now he's just flat out said, you're not spiritual at all. Uh-oh. He says, you have the ability in God's plan and what God has promised to you to have the mind of Christ. And when you have the mind of Christ, he says, we'll understand things, what God says. But the reason you don't understand is because you've been carnal, you've had this mindset. He says, one says, I'm of Paul, one says, I'm of Apollos. He says, but who is Paul? Who's Apollos? Just ministers of, by whom ye believed? even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul said, I've planted. Apollos watered. God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labors. Or his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. The church ideally works together. That is what unity is all about. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? He says, For we are laborers together with God. It's not about one man. It's not about the pastor. It's not about one group over here. It's not about another group over here. It's about everyone working together, understanding that we work together with God. That's it. That's it. Now listen, I get it. Because every now and then, every now and then, because we're men, God's creation, because we are, if I'll just say it, because we are carnal, sometimes I get to the place where I say, but I don't want to work with Trevor. Trevor says, I understand. Trevor has said that a time or two. I don't want to work with Trevor. Yeah. You know what? I've said that about myself. I don't want to work with me. But I'm all I have, so i got to work with me. I go everywhere I go. But somebody else, Trevor, may say, I don't want to work with Jennifer. And here's Jennifer over here saying, why wouldn't he want to work with me? Yeah. And then Jennifer says, yeah, but I, I kind of understand because I don't want to work with John. Now, wait a second. W what are we being when we do that? Arnold? Babes? You know the toddler rules, right? The nursery rules? If I have it, it's mine. If you have it, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Those are the rules. That's what babies do. But you see, 
we have, again, notice this, we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. But we don't always understand it because we're not thinking with the mind of Christ. We're thinking as babies. We're thinking as carnal. We're not thinking spiritually like we need to. We have a work to do together. We have a work to do together. Notice the words there. Together with God. And what are we? We're laborers. We're laborers. We have to be reminded it takes work. Look, you know what? It, it takes work to get along. Amen? It takes work to get along. I mean, it's the, it's the same way in, in, in any relationship of life. It takes work to get along. Whether it's at your place of employment, whether it's in your home, or whether it's in your church, it takes work to get along. We're laborers. We're laborers together with God. We work, God gives the increase. We work together, God gives the increase. How many of you ready for God to give an increase? I'm ready. We've got to work together. We have to work together. On all of this, we have to get rid of the fleshly mindset or the mindset of what can I get? The selfish mindset. What can I get? What can the church do for me? We've got to work together. We have to work together. That is what brings the unity. And we have to understand this for God to give the increase. It's going to take somebody planting. Somebody else can water. God's going to give the increase. God's going to give the increase. You know, I can go out and I can plant a seed of corn. Put it in the ground. Rachel can come tomorrow and she can water it. She can go the next day and she can water it. But unless God makes that thing grow, what did I do? I just planted. She watered. Let's say it doesn't grow. Now we're going to have some disunity because I'm going to tell Rachel she watered too much. And then Rachel's going to say, well, you, you planted it too low. Then now we have this argument. Well, I didn't plant it too low. I told you use a half a gallon of water. You used a full gallon. She said, I don't even know what a gallon is. She does. It's simply illustration purposes only. But unless God gives the sunshine, unless God decides for that seed to grow. It's not going to. But imagine God does that. And Rachel come and say, look what I made grow. 
Now, we do that, though, don't we? So I, we say this, I grew these in my garden. I grew this in my garden. Did you really? Did you really? Or did you just plant it, water it, and God gave it increase? See, terminology is important, isn't it? See, we work together. Not, not apart, not in separate groups, divisions. I'm more spiritual, they're less spiritual. I don't know, it's not about that. It's about whether or not God's going to give an increase. When we labor together, that is when it happens. Paul says, I'm no one. I'm not anybody. I'm not anybody, just a laborer working for God so that He might give an increase. We want an increase here at Bailey Road Baptist Church? We want to see an increase? You say, what, what kind of an increase? Oh, I'd love to see it full. Look, full doesn't mean increase. Oh, we'd love to see more offerings. More offerings doesn't necessarily mean increase. Spiritually, do we want to see an increase spiritually? I do. But it's going to take working together. I'll tell you, I'm carnal sometimes. I think I've told you that before, right? You you brought in a you brought in a carnal pastor. I get carnal sometimes. Sometimes I get in the flesh. Sometimes I respond in the flesh. Now, I'm not bragging on that by any means. Feel free to say, why are you being a baby? Because that's what Paul said. If I respond to you in the flesh, because it may happen one day, just say, Pastor, why are you being a baby? 1 Corinthians 3. I give you that right. My family's going to take advantage of this, I think. Dad, why are you being a baby? Because sometimes I am one. So are you. But how about this? Let's determine to work together that God might give an increase. I'm excited for the days ahead at Bailey Road Baptist Church on what God might do as we work together. Let's bow for prayer, shall we?